Well, good morning. Hey, I want to go off script just a little bit. We did this in the first service as well. Um, something happened in the middle of this worship service that is far too easy to go unnoticed. I want to give like a pastor statistic for you here this morning. The average congregation size in America, the average church size is 75 people. Now, I don't know if you watched the announcements, but this is a huge deal. In 2016 at LifePoint Church, we baptized 121 people. Friends, nationwide, that's unheard of. And that's worth giving God a big round of applause if you would. That's a huge deal. Guys, God's doing some incredible things here as a part of LifePoint Church. This morning, we're jumping into a brand new teaching series called Timeless but we're really looking at the timeless truths that Jesus taught and how they impact our lives. And as I thought about timeless, what really came to mind uh, was, was the month of January. I mean, January is a time where nothing's timeless. We start acting in ways in January that we don't act the other 11 months uh, of the year. In January, things happen that just defy logic. In January, gyms are full and fuller than they've been in other weeks of the year, fuller than they'll be the rest of the year. In January, believe it or not, McDonald's will be less full than they've ever been the last 11 months before it. And in January, despite all logic and reason, people across America will dump their paychecks into Whole Foods like never before, buying the most expensive groceries on the face of the planet. And in a month of change, it's a great opportunity to take a look at things in lives that, 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 that don't change, things in our lives that can give us grounding and anchoring that can make us timeless people. And so for the next several weeks, here, here's the question we're going to look at. In a world that seems to always be changing, new cultures, new ideas, new technology, new philosophies, new you know, movie stars, new this and new that, in a world that seems to always change, how can people like you and people like me live our lives in such a way that we live timeless lives, that we're not always changed. A few weeks ago before Christmas, I was having a conversation with our group's director, Cindy. If you don't have someone in your life who tells you funny stories all the time, it's time to meet Cindy Whiteside because this lady always has a funny story for everything. And as I'm talking to Cindy, she's telling me about her nieces and the conversation their parents had with them uh, maybe a year or two ago. And, and what she said was they brought them into the living room and it was time to tell them the truth that over the course of their lives, it was not a jolly fat man with a big beard and a red suit that had brought all the presents and left them under the tree. It was in fact a benevolent set of parents that had been doing that for them all their lives. And I guess the news sort of crushed them in the moment and things got real quiet, you know, you get a little nervous, like, uh-oh, what have we done to our kids? And, and they kind of mustered their spirits and sat up straight. And they thought the conversation went well because their eyes kind of lit up a little more and they started leaving the room. And they were kind of giving their, themselves, you know, a little parent pat on the back. Hey, that didn't go so bad until they watched their older daughter put their arm around the younger daughter and whisper in her ear, it's okay, sissy. At least we still have the Easter bunny. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell what things are going to stick around, what things are going to last in life, what in fact in our lives will remain timeless and what things in our lives will come and go in the night. 
And if we're going to be honest, if you were going to be honest, and if I were going to be honest, the truth is at some point in time or another, and probably many times in your future, you have or did buy into some kind of a fad that came and went. Fads that you thought were going to make you the coolest kid in school, but they didn't. Or fads that you thought would be cool forever, uh, but they weren't. And so to get this series started off right, we're going to start with the Austin Abney top five list of fads that should have never been. If you're an 80s kid, get ready. We're about to attack your whole life. Number five, the big hair craze. Mm Mm-hmm. Anybody wear the big hair craze at some point in time in their lives? For an entire generation, there were people that ran around looking like they just barely escaped their lives from a Kansas tornado. And I came here from Kansas, I should know. Number four, just behind the big hair craze, is the rat tail. Now, I don't know whether you had one or maybe you're trying to hide the fact that you let your kids go out with this, but nothing says future honor roll student like a haircut named after a field varmint. (laughs) Number three was the slap bracelet. There was an entire period of time where these things had their heyday and they came and went, maybe because they were so cool you couldn't keep up with them, or perhaps someone got it in their mind that it might not be safe to take bands made from thinly pressed metal and slap them around major blood vessels again and again and again, which leads us to number two, the pet rock. Anybody, let's be honest, anybody have ever owned a pet rock? All right, like one honest person here. The pet rock the, the biggest sales of the pet rock happened in a six-month period in the 70s. Now, why you laugh at those ridiculous people who bought a rock with a face painted on it, don't laugh at the owner who sold in that six-month period 1.5 million pet rocks at $4 a piece. Yes, the fad came and went, but that dude's still living off of your four bucks. And I don't want to give it away too soon. So can we do this? A big drum roll, maybe. Let's get in there. Wake up a little bit. You've been asleep for two weeks. Drum roll for number one, the leisure suit. Now, that is funny, but you have to know that the guy, you know, the first guy in, the second guy in, and the red tie, that's Donnie Williams. Um, And that is his very own sparkly, pretty leisure suit. Um, For a while in the 80s, mid-80s youth, thought that it was the coolest thing to wear to pick up chicks and to meet people. The leisure suit endures to tell us that no matter how much you pay your mom to burn the picture, the memory of your leisure suit will always remain. Because the truth is we've all had something. Maybe you had the leisure suit, maybe you had the pet rock. Somebody else uh, in first service told me about a haircut that was big back in the 50s. Whatever it is, we've all had some fads that we bought into that we're not quite proud of. And sometimes they're really, really funny. And sometimes the things that come and go in our lives, they're not. Sometimes the things that, that we feel leave our lives were things that we never wished would go. It's the relationship that was supposed to last forever and ultimately left us on our own. Maybe you've bought into the leader who built you up, but it was their failings that ultimately deflated you and let you down. Maybe it was the investment that promised dividends only to leave a crater in your savings account. 
So this morning, before we spend the next several weeks looking at individual truths, the teachings specifically that Jesus has given us, the foundational beliefs of Christianity, I just want to ask a different question. When everything else in your life seems to change, what does it take for you and I before we leave here, before we go and spend the rest of our days, what are the steps that we can take to live lives that stand the test of time? See, here's what's so intriguing to me as a pastor, that despite all of the opinions that we find in in, in this world about Jesus, his followers, and his teachings, the teachings of Jesus have outlasted opposition, persecution, poverty, famine, plague, and yes, multiple governments. The teachings of Jesus have changed very little None at all, as a matter of fact, even though the culture surrounding them have changed again and again and again. And yes, the teachings of Jesus have not only endured through those cultural shifts, but in many times have defined and shaped the cultures in which we live. So here's the whole reason we're having this conversation this morning is that here at LifePoint Church, we believe deeply that when people like you and people like me begin to implement the teachings of Jesus in our lives, it's not just that we become prettier, nicer, you know, better press shirts kind of people. It's not that we look good on the outside, but that in doing so, God builds within our lives a strength that allows us to honor him and endure no matter what comes our way. In following after Jesus and implementing his teachings, we become timeless men and women, men and women who stand the test of time. And so I want to give you a big idea that's going to drive our discussion for the rest of the morning. Here's what it is. It says this, what I believe determines who I become. I want you to say that with me. We're going to practice and wake up this morning. What I believe determines who I become. One more time, what I believe determines who I become. And to show this to us, Jesus really gives us a teaching, a parable that if you grew up ever going to Sunday school, you learned this. Matter of fact, you learned it with a cute little song and hand motions, the whole deal. And within it, Jesus gives us two ways in which almost everyone manages their belief. You've managed your beliefs in both of these ways at some point in time in your life. And I've managed my beliefs in both of these fashions at different points in life. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we've got ushers that'll come down. Just kind of put up your hand. We want you to take one of these. You can take it home. You can keep it. You can borrow it, whatever. Um, if If you want, you can also read with us on the screens. Here's what Jesus shows us in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down. And the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. And in this short story, this short illustration, Jesus paints a picture of two builders who at a distance seem almost identical. They were in the same profession. 
they got the same instruction. They built in the same area. They built the same kind of houses. They had access to the same kind of materials and they built in roughly the same time. But what distinguished one builder from the other or one house from the other is not the resources they had access to. What distinguished them is what they did with what they had access to. And in the middle of that, Jesus gives us two versions of belief. We're going to look at the first one here briefly. We'll call this the proactive view of belief. Proactive belief says this, what I do is a byproduct of what I believe. Here's how he describes it. Let's read the first half of this one more time. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. Anybody remember that song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. See, Mitch is better at this. People would be singing if Mitch did that. You remember that, right? In that short little song, in that short little piece of a story, Jesus lays out what it looks like to have a proactive view of belief. And what he tells us is, when it comes to your beliefs and my beliefs, this is the go-to option. He doesn't paint the other one very well, but he starts off right off the bat. This is the way you should act upon your beliefs. See, a, a proactive view of belief is a belief system in which our actions and our beliefs are integrated, that one informs the other, that you can't do one without involving the other. And he tells us that as a byproduct of this, we begin to build into our lives endurance and strength that will pay dividends and endurance in the long run of our lives. And the operative word Jesus uses to describe proactive belief is a simple one. You've used it before. It's called practice. See, practice is what we do when the pressure is off that prepares us for when the pressure is on. In every aspect, in every avenue, in everything we get involved in in life, there's some component of practice. When you were in school, you called it studying. If you're a musician or you were in the band or the orchestra or you were in theater, they call that rehearsal. If you played sports, soccer, football, basketball, whatever, it's called conditioning. See, everywhere that we go in life involves practice. And this was a big deal for Jesus because Jesus never had a problem getting people to hear him. Every time you hear about Jesus teaching, there's like lots of people around, sometimes upwards of five and six thousand people came to hear Jesus. But I promise you, it wasn't hearing Jesus that changed their lives. It was doing what Jesus said. It's the whole purpose that Jesus taught this parable because there were people who came and listened and did nothing with what they heard and they missed out. See, here's what we got to know this morning, that there has never been and there will never be an acceptable replacement for practice when it comes to your faith and my faith, your belief and my belief. Nothing replaces practice But at the same time, this is what's so cool about Jesus. This is what's so cool about Christianity. This is what's so amazing about following after him is this. You may be here and totally skeptical. Someone drug you here. Your grandma said, it's my birthday and you got to go to church with me. It's all I want. You know, whatever. You got a grandma guilt trip. You're here. Congratulations. Been there. 
But the idea of practice is this. You don't have to fully believe in Jesus to take his teachings and begin to implement them into your life and see if this Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. Matter of fact, I would go so far as to say is you can take his practices, his teachings, and begin to put them into practice in your life and build a very strong case that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that he is the son of God, that he did die for you, and that you have access to grace and forgiveness that you would never have access to otherwise. And in placing his teachings in your life now, you can build a case for for your entire eternity along the way. And in doing so, I promise you, God's not up in heaven wringing his hands going, I'm not sure I can come through on that promise I made. I don't know, you know, Tim went to that you know, service at Life Point and he started doing that stuff. I'm a little nervous right now. God is God of the universe. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He can come through on the promises that he makes. And I dare you, pick one and try it. See, the more we try out these, the more strength we build into every aspect of our lives. Husbands and wives, try this. Go look at Ephesians chapter five and what Jesus teaches us about marriage. Wives, how many of you wouldn't find your marriage to be a little stronger if your husband came home, read Ephesians five and began to love you limitlessly and sacrificially like Jesus teaches us and like scripture teaches us there in Ephesians five. Husbands, how many of you wouldn't go, you know what? Yeah, my marriage could get a little stronger if my wife would show me limitless respect, almost like she was showing God respect. Now that builds some strength into a marriage. How about your, your financial world? Jesus teaches us a lot about money. One of those things is called stewardship, where we manage our money as though it were God's money because it is. And we begin doing things like saving for tomorrow and giving it away generously. That will build incredible strength and freedom into your financial world. As we begin to practice those things, we get to see the outcomes. If they don't work, and they will, God can deal with that. This morning, I want to remind us of our big idea that what I believe determines who I become. And as we implement these practices in a view of proactive belief, we will see not only the strength in our lives change, but who we are change as well. Second thing Jesus teaches about is what we'll call a reactive view of belief. Reactive belief sounds like this. What I believe supplements what I do. What I believe supplements what I do. Here's how he describes that. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. See, a reactive view of belief in opposition to a proactive view of belief sees beliefs and actions as segregated one from the other, that they're independent players and they don't have to do the same things at the same time. And a reactive view of belief, sometimes you may do what you actually believe, but it's not on purpose. Sometimes you may live out your beliefs and sometimes you may not. And really there's no you know, problem in that mindset if they don't line up. But Jesus warns us that this is a dangerous road to walk on. He warns us that in doing so, we find weakness in our lives. Now, be natural to look at what he says here and go, you know what, if I'm proactive in my beliefs, yeah, I can see that. I can buy into that. It'll build some strength into my life. But if I have a reactive view, you know, I just don't build more strength. I just work off of an existing, you know, amount or quantity. 
But that's not what he says. He says in the same way that proactive belief builds strength, that reactive belief builds and actively produces weakness in our lives. Here's why. In a reactive view of belief, our beliefs can go this way and our actions can go this way, both of which are things that we stand upon in difficult times. And when the ground beneath us shifts, it's kind of like standing on sand building your life, building your house on sand. When a big enough storm comes, something's gonna fall. And the truth is that in all of those three areas we talked about, we build weakness into our lives and we don't practice what we believe. Think about your marriage. Husbands, if you come home on a daily basis and refuse to show your wife sacrificial love, You don't start at zero. It's not that you just don't build strength. If you fail to show your wife love, you show her that you do not love her. And that builds weakness into your marriage. Wise, if you come home and you fail to show your husband any respect, as Ephesians talks about, and you do it again and again and again, he'll eventually arrive at the conclusion, this woman does not respect me. She disrespects me. And when trouble comes, when there's problem with your kids, when there's problem with your money, when there's problem in health, you will not stand the test of time. Why? Because you have actively, over a period of time, built weakness that should have been strength into your marriage. Same thing with your finances. If you fail to save and you fail to plan and you fail to manage God's money as though it were God's money, when hard times come and the medical bills fall or when the car breaks or when things fall apart or the house crumbles or there's repairs that are needed, you don't start from a zero balance. Oftentimes, we start with credit card debt and student loans and all kinds of other things that we should have never had in the first place. We begin to build and bury ourselves or build and dig ourselves out from a deficit, even with generosity. Here's what I coach new couples when they get married all the time. Learn to be generous and tithe early on while you're broke and you still make a little bit of money when you're just getting by and all you got's love because the check's pretty small when you're early on in life. But if you can't learn to be generous when you have a little, you'll never stomach the bigger check if God blesses you along the way. We must learn to live proactively in our beliefs, not reactively, lest we build weakness into every component of our lives. So here's what I believe. My personal opinion is this, that it takes more faith to have a reactive view of belief. Why? Because there's no trial and error. There's no practicing along the way. There's no preparing. There's no testing God and seeing if he's actually faithful. It's a Hail Mary. It's a hope. It's a wish at best that when crisis comes, a reactive view of belief is really just putting our beliefs into an escape kit or an emergency kit when everything else falls apart and our normal behavior won't fix life anymore. I'd rather have practiced and known God's faithfulness. I'd rather have practiced and seen God's goodness than hope for it when everything falls apart. See, at the end of the day, here's what we need to know. Reactive belief is no belief at all. Ultimately, belief is determined not by what we think, by what we do with what we think. So let me ask you, in the way that you're managing your beliefs, are you paving a path to who you want to become? What you're doing with what you know right now, does it lead you to who you want to be? If you never got to change what you do, would you ultimately arrive at who you want to become? And if not, 
Maybe today's a good day for a change. Because as our big idea says, what I believe determines who I become. So we all have areas, myself included, that if we were just going to tell the truth, we go, yeah, that's a, that's a reactive belief. I know it. I've heard it. It's been taught. I read it in scripture. I, I know that stuff. But I've done nothing about it. I've not lived based upon it. I've not aligned my life with that belief. Maybe it's with your money. Maybe it's how you care for others. Maybe it's the grace and forgiveness you offer in conflict. Maybe it's the priorities that you've set in life. We all have our thing. So here's a challenge I want to give you. Today, before you eat dinner, you get lunch, there's a pass. Before you eat dinner, I want you to think of the one biblical truth, the one teaching of Jesus that is not currently being lived out in your life. Take home your program and write it down in the notes section circle it and make a commitment today that over the course of this teaching series for the next several weeks you'll implement it into your life and my promise for you is this the God who made those promises the God who taught those things is faithful and he'll see it through you can count on him and you'll learn to see his faithful hand in your life like never before and as a result you may end up being the man or the woman that God has been working towards you becoming since your very birth. That as a result, 2017 may be the year where you become the father or or the mother, the husband or the wife, uh, the volunteer, the leader, the, the teacher, whatever it is, the business leader that God has always intended you to be. This may be the year where God does the unthinkable through this church because his church decided today's the day. Today's when we make the difference. Today's when we buy in because my beliefs and my actions have to be aligned. There's too much at stake because at the end of the day, what I believe determines who I become. Let's pray. God, thank you. You don't leave us without a witness. You don't leave us without the ability to put you to the test. God, you have been faithful beyond anything we could find in this life, and you will remain faithful. You are unchanging. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move right now. God, that you would show us in my life, Lord, would you show me the thing that I need to work on, the thing that I need to take from a reactive belief to a proactive belief. And and do not leave me alone. Do not leave us alone until what we believe and what we do are aligned. God, I pray for this city that surrounds this church. I pray that they would be radically transformed because of how we choose to live out our faith. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope to hopeless places, that you bring faith to faithless people, that you would bring healing and you would do miracles through this city because of your faithfulness, because of your goodness, and because we chose to follow you. Lord, give us the boldness to act, the bravery to do what sometimes is so hard to do. Amen.